Cheers. Cheers. Solid. Nice. <laughs> it's a solid, solid clink for a solid beer. That's right. A solid working man's pub. Uh, I'm Andy. I'm Kana. Welcome to Diplomacy Games, episode 59. 59, is it? Yeah. I think we've been going for like almost a year now. <laughs> Getting close to it. <laughs> there we are, beat Kana to it. Woo! <laughs> yeah, sometimes my, um, my, my recollection of how long things go is a bit shot. You know. Yeah, the brain cells kind of get killed off over the years with more of alcohol, unfortunately. Yeah. And speaking of dead brain cells, it's holidays for me, so... It's holidays for me for a few more days. Yeah. So, um, you've probably got another, what, two, three weeks? Yeah, three weeks. Wow. Yeah. You're a lucky bastard. I forgot what day it was today. It's Thursday. Yeah. <laughs> and most people where I work either go back today or go back on Monday, which is yeah. when I'm going back. Okay. Anyway. Well, they take more time off. So we're um, not in Brisbane. Well, we're out at um, Red Bank, actually. Which is in Ipswich? Yeah, it's a suburb of Ipswich. So this is your stomping grounds? Yeah. Well, I do stop off at this pub sometimes on the way home after work. Okay. Commercial um, hotel? Commercial hotel. Um, it's just recently changed hands, actually. Uh, but it's an old... I think it's an old stagecoach kind of... Looks spot. like it, yeah. It's like a stagecoach and you know rail yard spur type of everything joins together. Must have been like a big transport hub, you know, a hundred years ago, during when they were doing lots of coal mining and things out this way. Yeah, a lot of industry. There's a there's an old pottery down the road, um, sort of a stone's throw from here, Beehive Kiln. Yep. So apparently, there was a lot of pottery came out of this particular area. There you go. As well. Um, but it's kind of gentrified a bit more gentrified more. well the Just pub looks a little bit more posh the, as I said to you when I was ordering though the, the beers are true working men beers so I think what I've got the 150 lashes what about you? I'm on 4x bitter 4x bitter oh man <laughs> <laughs> and you've got the blue co- actually the blue the shirt and blue. on and yep <laughs> you just need your fluoro vest yeah <laughs> pretty much <laughs> you fit right on in so um yeah, but yeah, I think they've only got like Wickerman's beer, like 150 lashes is all they've got that's kind of even vaguely craft beer related. And when it comes to wine, <laughs> literally there is this one type of wine which is Yellowtail, which is like a god awful wine. Comes, I know, it actually. In a bottle. It's like literally a small yeah. mini bottle that they kind of sell. They don't even bother getting a big bottle because by the time they've cracked it, maybe poured one glass, no one's going to turn up to finish the bottle for another month. That's right. So, yeah, you buy it by the buy it by the mini bar size. Yes, yeah, yeah the yeah. mini bar size, correct. Yeah. So, um, yes. Anyway, <laughs> so not a fan of Yellowtail. No, not really, not really. It's got a big following in the US. Well, I think it's because it's like a, a big export beer, not beer, fucking wine. It's export wine. Yeah. yeah, it's an export wine primarily. And look, there's nothing wrong with it. It's not a bad drop, but you know, I think we have better Australian. Wines. wines we can get a hold of that we <laughs> keep here in Australia. But anyway, this isn't a wine and beer show, it's a diplomacy show. Yep, and first of all, we've, there's a correction we have to make from our last diplomacy Yep, podcast. we fucked up. We did. Um, and that's the dates for the Melbourne Open. Yes. So we added a week. Yeah, we got a bonus week, so if we booked our tickets and went down when we said, and hopefully no one has, uh, you'll be a week late. 
yeah. 14th so and 15th of March. Is the, um, is the date for the Melbourne Open. I'm still going to go, absolutely. So we need to actually organise our tickets. Yeah. Yep. Yes. We should probably do that off, off tape because it'll take us a while to work all that shit out. Yeah, that's an off, yeah, that's an off podcast. Off podcast chat. Chat. We're going to yep. stay in the same place or somewhere now we've got a bit more time and... Or more, more particularly, do you want to put up with my snoring again? Oh, you went too bad. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay, I'll tell Mrs. Anvy that. She'll be quite impressed. <laughs> um, it depends. On where, where is it? This is going to be the same place? Oh, I assume it'll be in it? Melbourne CBD again. I don't know whether we need to get in touch with Goffey to find out. If it's Melbourne CBD, yeah, we'll need to find out where. Yeah, it's a good point. Yeah, because do we... Yeah, do we, like, North Melbourne, South Melbourne? Like, the CBD is pretty large. I mean, going from one end to the other. Let's catch a tram. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, we'll work that out later. Work that out later. Yep. And we also kind of, whilst we announced it in the podcast mm. about the Queensland tournament coming up. Um, Cane Toad Classic. Cane Toad Classic. We've landed on the name. Talked to Tony Collins, who's going to be the tournament organiser. He said, yep, Cane Toad Classic. That sounds awesome. Let's do it. So what was it? Is it 2nd and 3rd of May? 2nd and 3rd of May, um, which gives Queenslanders a long weekend. Yep. So you still got Monday to do shit around the house or whatever. Get, get over the, the hangover or yep. whatever. Um, that should be a good one. I'm looking forward to that as well, actually. Mm. Hopefully we see um, some Southerners come on well, up. Well, a couple have already said that they're going to come up. Excellent. Yeah, Fantastic. so I think, I, think, uh, I think there's at least two, if not three, that have kind of said they're going to go so that's good oh very good very good am I going to have to make another large board another large board made up oh what like another printed version yeah well we can just use a normal board can't we or you want to kind of really impress them see the most recent copy of the board the 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 distances in Italy is really difficult to discern it's, it's hard to see oh you mean it's like the official board yeah yeah okay yeah so I don't know I, I wouldn't mind I'd, I'd be happy to splash out and print another map mm-hmm. actually it's a matter of getting the pieces what sort of pieces are we going to use that's the trouble well we can always use my pieces from the proper board or mm. you can just make some more like you've already got uh, it took me forever really it did what about your little plastic ones Oh, the little sculptural ones, yeah. 3D printed. Yeah, I could 3D print them, eh? Or you can just 3D print blocks. Well, yeah, that's yeah. I'm, you, that's what I'm thinking. I, okay. I, prefer, I prefer the blocks. Because you can do the topping and the tail, well, yeah, when you kind of load them up on it. I still don't understand how that fucking works. <laughs> 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 and, like, I think it's kind of, you spent, like, a whole... Not whole. You, you spent a good chunk of an episode explaining it all to me. And I'm going, yeah, 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 yeah. That sounds good. That sounds good. And I was like, nah, no, fucking. Like no, I missed it. Yeah. Something about some goes up and some goes down, and one goes on top and one goes the other. And yeah. Anyway, people can rewind, listen to that shit later. Maybe if they listen to it when they're not drunk, it'll make more sense. That's the problem with the miniatures is you can't sort of do anything other than just have them sitting the right way up. Yeah put one on top of the other. No, no, that's true. Yeah. Well, you can, but it doesn't, doesn't really work. They'll fall off. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. <laughs> so um, the other thing that was worth talking about tournaments-wise is um, one thing that Mrs. Ambie likes doing to kind of motivate the uh, the kids in the Ambie household 
is to um, at start of the the new year as we have this goal setting session for the year ahead. Oh yeah. Thank you, Tom. It's only, it's only the one meal. Yep. 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 And goal setting. Goal setting. Yes. Goal setter. That's yeah, good. I think it works well for the kids particularly. And, you know, it's it's not a bad thing because you start going, mm, okay. And it's actually a good way to start introducing concepts that you go, let's see if this flies. So you kind of put things out and it's like, so I set my goals and we kind of have like different categories, you know, there's work, professional development, and blah, 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 and one of which is social. Okay. So I kind of said, you know, um, go to the Melbourne Open and go to at least one other interstate Diplomacy tournament. Uh, go to two of them. So I reckon if, if the Asia Pacific Diplomacy Association creates a few more things, whether we kind of plan ahead for the Canberra one, or we'll see if something happens in Sydney, or it's, yeah, because we missed the one this year. On that, we should go to the Canberra, Canberra one. We should. But that's a that that's a that's an annual one, isn't it? Yeah. Well, it's only, it's only just. It's kind of like Melbourne Open. It's the first time it's ever happened last year. Okay. 2019. But I'd be yeah. surprised if Jamal didn't have it again this year. Is Jamal from the ACT or is that where he lives? That's where he lives. He works for the um, federal government. Okay. Yes. Fucking awesome chips and great, great sauce. Excellent. Good food here. Mm, very good food. Ten bucks also. Lunch special. Didn't have to wear that, that looks like a That looks like a solid $25 meal. Mmm. Mmm. So there you go. Also coming up, Nexus um, Season 4 begins in, on the 1st of February. Is that on Netflix or... Nexus. Yeah, is that on Netflix or is that on... Uh... No, the Nexus Tournament. Oh, sorry, I thought you were talking about TV. No, <laughs> no, no. <laughs> yeah. no. Nexus Season 4 is coming. It's like, oh, okay. No, good. no, no. The, the, the Season 4 um, tournament, the tournament, the fourth tournament... Um, is up and coming. So if you if you're interested in signing up to a bit of online play, mm-hmm. jump onto Discord and check out the Nexus. Um, Are you going? No, I'm not. Um, yeah. So I sent you through that request from Alex Ronke about the 1812 Overture. You did. Yep. You didn't get back to me. What story? Well, I just checked the emails today. <laughs> <laughs> That's the story. Um, You've been so chill with the holiday spirit. It's like, uh, email, don't worry about that. Yeah, pretty much. Well, you sent it to me a couple of days ago. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, checking emails not high on my priorities on the holidays. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, but no, I'm not going to. Not going to participate? No, no. Um, look, I'm flat out just keeping up with my gunboat games. How many games have you got on? Oh, not a few. Mm-hmm. Um, tell you if you like I guess sure well, let's have a look because um, I'm actually only down to three games now and soon it'll be two games counting 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 six six games six out. yeah there's a number of games which are still ongoing but I've been knocked out of um Yeah, seven if you count one where I'm just about gone. Well, okay. Well, I'm going to play the eighteen twelve for me. I'm going to play the eighteen twelve game because I really enjoy that variant. Yeah. And Alex is a really good organizer of a, um, a forum based game, so um, sounds good. I'll be in. Um, 
So six games, that's that's that is a lot for you. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I mean look, okay, to be fair, they're not full press. There's no press. Yeah. But they're, they're um well, gunboats. But I'm finding I'm I'm just I'm just struggling to keep up with well, with press games. There was a press game where I was involved and I was just like, eh, I'm not really that keen on doing too much communication actually. Um, You're a bit antisocial. Yeah. yeah. Well, well, going through that, I guess I'm just focusing on my... Is it strategies or is it tactics? I don't know. Is it a big long-term thing or is it a bit more short, medium-term thing? Um, okay, yeah. Focusing on the strategy... Of, of having a of tactic? No. Having... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. Strategy of the picture of what, what happens on a board and then the tactics on how to get to where I want to be in that space without having to worry about that added complexity of the communication that goes alongside well, the uh, written yeah. communication uh, online. This would be an interesting question. I mean, I would have thought tactics in a diplomacy game was like thinking one or two turns ahead while strategy is thinking four or five turns ahead. Yeah, strategy would be kind of thinking, um, okay, you're playing France. Well, ultimately, I want to be in a position where I've got control of most of Germany, England and part of Italy so you're going for that northern avenue to get your 18 supply centres as opposed to thinking okay I'm going to go for the Mediterranean route and get most of your supply centres through the Mediterranean plus a few from Germany so your big strategy thinking would be how you envision the end of the game to look mm -hmm. for your winning 18 and your tactics is your, your sort of a turn by turn, a couple of turns ahead kind of thing. That's how I think of it. Am I thinking of it wrong? I always no, get the two no, confused no. strategy tactics. Strategy is more longer term. Yeah, the, the the what. What you're trying to achieve. Versus how you... Yeah, rather than... Which is the tactics. Oh, right? yeah. There's a little bit of how, but... Where's the, where's the forum games? Play by forum. Obviously. Morg, how you doing, mate? It's been a while since we've had a chat to Morg. Yeah. We're trying to get him on. Yeah, 18-12, right? Where is that? You ran my password, right? Yeah, where? How about 1812 there? Oh. 1812 Overture. I was seeing if anyone else is interested in running it. Oh, well. Um, well, I just pulled it up to have a look at the map. Mm -hmm. It's a lovely map. Beautiful map. So I think it's some rules, isn't it? Nice tournament through time. Oh, yeah, okay. Oh, this is the one where it's at Atlantic. It, yeah, it's a set during the middle of the Napoleonic Wars, but also at the same time, the... Um, 1812 war between the US and, um, and England. That's it. But it introduces a whole heap of um, uh, Indian or Native Native American tribes. Trying to open it up. Yeah, trying to open it. Image is not Imgur is not working at the moment. Is it? Well, no. I don't know if it's anyway. 
I can kind of see it's fuzzy, but... Yeah, very fuzzy. Okay, so you got Russia... Norway... Kind of Norway, Denmark. Denmark, Norway, England, France, Prussia. No, I think that's the... Um, what's it called? The Confederation of the Rhine. Oh, that's this yellow one. That would be... Habsburgs. The Habsburgs. Oh, and England's got southern part of Spain. Yeah, so during the during that stage of the um, Napoleonic Wars, it had yeah the southern part of Spain around um, Gibraltar, and that's actually how it owns Gibraltar today. Mm. And also Portugal, because Portugal was a British ally, and um, the Brits came and helped the Portuguese by kicking out the French. And over in England, you've got uh, over in England, over in North America, you've got. Um, is, that, is Canada a playable country or is that England? It's a playable country, but I'm trying to remember how it works. I'd have to double check the rules again. You got your East Coast states. Well, you've got the so the way that this is done, which is a little bit interesting. America would be even too powerful as a the way that the board is constructed. So. Um, my recollection is it's kind of broken down in between the Federalists and the whoever the other mob were. <laughs> so it says here six dynasties playing two powers each. So I would think England would have control of Canada. Is that yeah. they're separate? Yeah, or? so yes, I think so. Because basically you control powers on both sides of the globe, usually, I think. So France would have control of what, the Louisiana territories? No, 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 no. I think it's basically one of the Indian tribes. So you've got over here, you've got two Indian tribes. And then you've got, as I said before, the Confederate, not the Confederates, the... Um, Fed Federals? Federals? And what's the other one's called? Anyway. The I can't tribes. remember. No! no. about America. Don't worry. Okay. So, we'll worry about that one. Look, easiest way to know about this is to go back to the actual episode talking about the 1812 Overture game, which uh, I can probably quick check, quickly check uh, which the hell that one was, but... We have looked at this before. We have looked at this before. Yeah. Alright, moving on. We talked to Alex Ronke back in episode 19, which is, no pun intended, who created the game. And I think there's been a couple of times that we've touched on this particular variant as well. But I can't remember when. Anyway. It's got that great power and your minor power thing that Baron mm. von Powell yes. sort of introduced with Ambition to Empire. Mm. Yeah? yeah? Absolutely. Hey, we need some more beers. We do. I'll get the next round. I'll pause it. Pause, pause it. it. Yep. And we're back. Cheers. Cheers. So I think you were planning to get us to the Pumpyard Brewery. Pumpyard Brewery? So cool, just the Pumpyard. Uh, and it's which? Yeah, it's the Pumpyard. But it's a... The name of the brewery is different. But there's a brewery at the Pumpyard there. Right. Anyway. Um, but I think they've got like a two-day break after the New Year's. Yep. And they're bit, reopening bit again. Yeah, they're reopening it. Um, well, it's going to be tomorrow, but it didn't work. It did work quite well for us. So. But it, they do awesome beers, like craft beers. So. 
So I don't mind this idea of coming out to your your end of town, you know, at least once a year. Yeah. It was a long way. Well, given that I go to the CBD all the time. Yeah, but you finish work a lot earlier than I do. Not I do. Yeah. So you've got that luxury of time. Well, I'm able to finish work earlier <laughs> at the moment. Yeah. So maybe, like, this time next year we go to the pump yard. Sounds good. And that'll actually be really good timing because we'll need to kind of work out what we're doing about going moving into the White House because that's like in January 20, 2021. Yes, yes. But um, I must admit, things are a little bit slow on the whole getting elected to president and vice president thing because we don't seem to be having anyone stepping up to say, yeah, they're happy to donate some cash to become a secretary of duplicity or whatever. Well, can you imagine being in the in the Oval Office with a cigar and your feet up uh-huh. on the... Uh, the federal government building, probably smoking is banned. Oh, yeah. Okay, well, that would be the first thing I'd unban. <laughs> <laughs> what do they call those when the president just signs off on shit and says, like, oh, we're just changing the rules? Is that an executive order? Yes, 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 an executive yeah. order on... You're unbanning the um, smoking in federal buildings. Yeah. Well, smoking in locations where it's historically accurate to smoke. Oh, okay. That's a nice little... Yeah. yeah, Nice tweak. Yeah. So you obviously wouldn't have it... Yeah. But what would happen then if you were like a... Okay, so let's assume that you're... um, You're working in, in the American federal government. And you're working in a building that was built in the 1960s or 70s. Yeah. Historically, people would have smoked in that building a fair, fair amount. Yeah. Does that kind of qualify? Are there any photos of people smoking in that building? Oh, you'd evidence. Have to, have to show evidence, wouldn't you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is a good plank. If you like smoking and um, doing so in historical buildings. Just make sure you don't burn the place down, Kana. Yeah. Although, it'd probably be a pipe, really, wouldn't it, if you were going for historical accuracy for a No. Pipe or cigar, maybe. Mmm. Big stogie. Maybe a little short, stumpy stogie. Mind you, seeing the last episode, I think you said you're not going to worry about getting a, um, a Secretary of Health. I think, <laughs> yeah. I think this is sending quite a... A strong, a strong message. message that, you know, yep, smoking in historical buildings, get rid of the Secretary of Health. It's going to save a lot of money. The Secretary of Misdirection. We need another Secretary. We need a Secretary of dubious means. So, how do you kind of see the... Um, you know, again, in America, you know, hey, they have that thing where it's like a jurisdictional thing, like, you know, hey, I've got jurisdictional responsibility or whatever like this for this, and you kind of see that all the time at cop shows and whatever. How are you going to deal with that when you've got, like, a secretary of duplicitous means, a secretary of deceitfulness, a secretary of, of two, <laughs> two-faced lying? <laughs> Aren't you going to think that their ministerial responsi- cabinet responsibilities are going to cross over a fair amount and... Uh, He's actually going to pick up all the other shit. Well, just, it's kind of like 
flowering chicken. You know, you cut the chicken pieces up. Mm -hmm. Yeah, each one of those is like your secretary. Yep. And you put it into a Ziploc bag. Yep. And then you add the flour, which is like all the stuff that has to be done. Shake it all Give up. it a little shake. Yep. And then, you know, it'll stick to whoever is appropriate to do it. Works for me. <laughs> Do you ever think the American voting public's going to go for that? Oh, different to what's happening now, is it? Nah, that's true. Good point. Good point. Very good point indeed. Um, no other planks? We'll, we'll, we'll worry about more planks next time. <laughs> more planks on the next one. <laughs> Apart from smoking, <laughs> historical smoking in historical federal government buildings. I have to think of a couple more secretarial titles. Mm. That, that, that impinge on different parts of the operation of... Being a diplomatic, the diplomatic corps. We need a secretary of the diplomatic corps. Yes. How do we not think of that? Good point. So I mean, it, it, it's only like what, three bucks a month, <laughs> and it's cheaper than a cup of coffee, isn't it? Yeah. And it's you know, and you get access to the you know wonderful Patreon. Yeah, the back catalogue. Back catalogue. Ever-increasing back catalogue of special episodes that only the Patreon listeners get to listen to, which are always recorded when, except for the very first one, when we're uh, most drunk. And to be honest, actually, I went back and listened to the <laughs> last episode, and you were incredibly lucid under the circumstance, because I think you said your beer was like 5.4%, and was mine was like 5.8%. And, oh, I'm sorry, but... That, that last Patreon episode was a bit embarrassing. I was just like... I'm <laughs> 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 the shop. And you were, you were quite on message and on point, and I was just fucking everywhere. And <laughs> that was probably... Uh, yeah, that was probably just a little bit too much of the whole alcohol. But that was a very good beer. It's a good, that was a good pub. That was a good... Yeah. Yeah, good, good brew. Um... Where were we? We were talking about something else. How did oh. we get onto that? You started talking about the ambition, and the 1812 thing, and then we kind of got onto something else, and then we got to here. Actually, speaking of plagiarism, yep. yeah. we've got an interview that we just did with Ira Hall, yes. who used to be, or maybe is still, not sure. He's not sure. <laughs> um, moderator <laughs> at Plagiarism. Owl Man. Shall we stick it on? Yeah, yeah. So this is a interesting interview. It starts being very normal diplomacy talk, and then it moves on to something very, very different diplomacy related. But still related to diplomacy. Absolutely, so. absolutely. So here we go. Uh, Ira Hall, welcome to the show. Thank you. Glad to be here. And uh, this is this is a, an interview that um, I suppose is very very different to normal, uh, mainly because normally we tend to uh, interview people who've developed variants or they've kind of just won a championship. But I've got a very very different angle for this particular uh, interview that I'm interested to explore. Uh, but for for starters, do you want to tell us a little bit about your your background with diplomacy and how you got into the game? Well, it started with. Uh, actually, a friend of mine who introduced me to the hobby and wanted to uh, play a uh, play a by email game, but he pointed me towards uh, Playdip to uh, help expose me to the game. And next thing you know, I was in like five games at once, and very quickly just fell in love with the game. I my whole life I've played uh, strategy games, 
and loved the aspect of the the no chance and instead really just relying on your ability to to strategize and communicate and just fell in love with the game became very very active on play dip there for a couple of years or more uh, played variants uh, through the the forum games played on the main site and uh, just really fell in love with the community and uh, loved the people who were playing it too because you know a lot of them actually thought thought for a living and so you could end up making some really quality connections and there's several people I met on the site that I'm I'm still friends with now over social media or whatever because of just the quality of person that was playing. So just became a, a huge fan of of the game and the, the mechanics of it and the dynamics of it. And uh, just before we kind of got started, you mentioned that your handle over at Playdip was um, Alman, um, A-L-M-A-N. That's right. Um, does that mean anything in particular? Uh, well, yeah, it's uh, it's a name I've used online for years uh, because my my middle name contains the word Al in it, and I'm a guy, so Al Man. There we go. <laughs> nothing very, nothing very mysterious. So. <laughs> and you mentioned before off tape that um, you you used to be a moderator over at Playdip uh, until oh, about a year or two ago. Do you want to talk a little bit around that and what your experience was in that space and what you got into? Well. Uh, they were looking for more moderators, and I just really, again, and the reason I might still be one over there, I just haven't been able to be on the site in about a year because of real life, uh, but they were looking for more moderators to help with, the, especially the back end of the site. They have a very active forum, and uh, one of the things that I really liked about Playdip is we had a pretty robust cheater hunting operation, and uh, I think that's something that to the best of my knowledge, kind of distinguished Blade Up a little bit more. And so they, uh, cheater hunting is a punishing job because uh, it's it's a lot of work behind the scenes. And then people don't always, you know, cheaters do not want to be found and they don't appreciate it when you find them. And uh, so it they'd burn through quite a few moderators that just got to the point where they couldn't do it anymore. And so I took my stint at it and, uh, Tried to bring uh, some gentleness to it, but I, at the same time, really worked to try to keep the games keep the games integrity in place. And uh, so that was basically my moderator duty. Mostly was to work on investigating games and making sure that uh, everybody was getting a fair shake. Did you did you find at any stage you got a bit of a feel for why players cheated? That's the thing. Uh, <laughs> it's it's other than just people are some people are just awful, uh, awful in judgment or or uh, it. I mean, it's not like they were passing out cash rewards for winning. And the basic what what I learned very quickly is the people who are cheating. It was pretty rare that they actually realized any advantage from it. Uh, I I don't know when I found a game that somebody really won by cheating. A lot of times, uh, the cheaters got eliminated before the end of the game. Uh, I guess if you're good, you don't need to cheat. And if you aren't good, cheating isn't going to save you. So a lot of it, I mean, sometimes it was just minor stuff that I don't think people were always intending to cheat. But a lot of times, I think it's just they, they thought they were getting away with something, but... Uh, as far as serious games go, and anyone who was really serious about the game, we never ran into, I didn't run into anyone who was really serious 
talked about it who did that. It was mostly people that kind of jumped onto the site and then tried to just game the system. And there never seemed to be a really good reason. Yeah, I, I, I've never really personally understood their mentality either. What what was uh, probably a, a, a most common kind of cheat? What, what was what was a common cheater that, that you came across? Well, the the probably the two most likely the two most common kinds of cheating, uh, and and one of them was one that we don't we didn't prosecute hard. It, it wasn't we didn't consider it a high crime. It was more of a misdemeanor. Uh, but out of out of game communication, one of the things that the site really tried to, and as far as I know, still does, really tried to uphold was that uh, keeping game communication within the medium, uh, so that every player was treated equally. That's really you know part of the deal. That otherwise it can unbalance the game if you, uh, you know, if you're playing with your best friend who you sit around the table with, and everybody else is by email, then it kind of throws it off a little bit. But that, because it's not a huge advantage, we didn't, you know, the, the ultimate sanctions didn't fall for that. And that was probably the most common. And the other one most common was multi-accounting, where somebody would try to, you know, play a couple people in the game. That was the most likely one that we found. And, uh, you know, if you can control a couple of the powers, then you can, you know, obviously have a lot more, uh, a lot more leverage in the game. And, uh, but the, the pressure of trying to make, I mean, <laughs> if you're going to play well, you got to do a lot of messaging. And if you're trying to message for two countries, oh, my goodness. So, uh, again, people that, people that were good at the game didn't want a multi-account because it was too much work. And if you were multi-accounting, you weren't doing it well. And so it didn't usually, in the end, it, it kind of offset any advantage you thought you had. That makes a lot of sense. Um did you find it a rewarding experience whenever you busted anyone? Or was it kind of more disappointing, like, oh, here's another one? <laughs> well, I mean, I guess I guess, uh, I guess, any investigator, you know, investigation's like a puzzle. So when you solve the puzzle, you're like, yeah, you know, Eureka. You have your Sherlock Holmes moment where you, you know, you discover the smoking gun or whatever. And uh, when we would be, we had several different tools, some of which I, I shouldn't disclose, uh, because they were, we kept them private to make it harder to game the system. But we had several different tools to use to try to uncover this. And uh, one of the ones that isn't secret, we put it right in the rules that we could, the moderator could go in and you could read messages. You could look at the, the messages between people. And, uh, and so it was easy to see if, you know, if two countries are coordinating and yet they do never, they never talk. Well, then how did you do that? And then we had some other tools to help see if it was two people who were just, you know, two people who just knew each other or communicating elsewhere or if it was one person being the same person. But, um, yeah, it was, it was fun to, to catch that and, and uh, uh, be able to go in and clean up a game. Probably the biggest thing was when somebody had been wronged when we had a couple times where a game, it wasn't that the cheater won that happened a little bit, but not very often. But if because of a cheat or someone else had a bad game, and uh, oftentimes they, that person would report it. They they would know something was up, and so to be able to go in and kind of restore their, restore their rating because the game would be unranked, 
and to kind of get justice for them, they would be very appreciative, and that felt really good. Excellent. Um, and you mentioned before, Ira, that you, you haven't really been active in the plaintiff space for about a year or so. Um, did you or have you played much face-to-face at all? I have never played face-to-face. I I think it would be fun. I'm, I'm a little intimidated by it because uh, looking at what the dynamic is of, of how face-to-face works, I... I think it would be a lot harder than online when you I usually I usually played uh, three to four day deadlines on the game so you had time to around you know regular life you had time to compose messages I was a uh, on Playdip they have what it's called um, Star Ambassador and you achieve Star Ambassador if you haven't surrendered games and if you uh, write a certain number of messages per turn and uh, I was very, I wrote a lot of messages. I like to write. I'm a fast writer. I'm a talker. And so face-to-face kind of scares me a little bit because I know that the, the opportunities to do that uh, are, much, are much less. But I'm, I'm, I'd love to try sometime. I always w- watch when it's something's coming reasonably close. And so it's on my bucket list. I was actually thinking because you're, you're based in Maine, aren't you? Yes. So um, I think it's the the Web Diplomacy Championship for next year, so 2020, which will be when this comes out uh, in that year, which I think is not too far away, knowing my American geography in Vermont. Um, and So I don't know if that's just down the road from you, figuratively speaking, or if it's like, you know, a five, six-hour drive. Well, you're, you're yes on both counts. It's just down the road and it's probably a five to six hour drive <laughs> <laughs> and I, and I kid you not I, I don't have a map in front of me and I definitely don't have any Google directions telling me how far to go uh, that's, that's honest <laughs> well we have because of up here in Maine and because of the geography here in the northeast with mountains and lakes uh, we have an expression of you can't get there from here and usually what it means is the shortest distance between two points is around a whole lot of hills and lakes. So even if it looks close, it doesn't mean the roads are straight. So, And um, I guess this, this kind of ties in um, to the main reason for our conversation when I was kind of saying, hey, I'm being honest. Um, and, and that's the fact <laughs> that your, your, your day life, your normal life, you're an actual uh, a, a pastor of a church. Um and I'm really interested in exploring a little bit around how does that work when it comes to balancing the nature of what diplomacy is all about, which is quite frequently lying and being deceitful and duplicitous against um, uh, the teachings uh, of Christianity. Um, <laughs> yeah. Would you like to go into a little bit of detail around that or your thoughts on that? Yeah, it's that's that's exactly it's a when I discovered the game and started digging in and really uh, learning it uh, that the fact that this game is you cannot play it well without a certain level of, of deception and betrayal two things that you know are very condemned in, in the Bible and uh, I would oftentimes joke that after you know after a good day of ministry nothing you know nothing no better way to, to, to cut back than to get online and, and betray a friend you know <laughs> And uh, so myself and some others that uh, that are of faith, we we had some interesting discussions about it, of 
of how do you balance this? And I think part of it is, <laughs> I guess we can sometimes take ourselves a little too seriously in that it's a game. And looking at what the Bible says about lying and what the Bible says about deception, it's really talking about uh, that you're not, you're not supposed to misuse people. Um, but if we take gameplay as misusing, well, then you, you could never play any game, you know, because, well, I, I'm, you know, in checkers, I can't jump your piece because that would be unkind. And, you know, I can't take your rook in chess because, well, that's, that's putting you at a disadvantage and the Bible's against that. But it's not, practically, I'm not doing that. I, and I, you know, I believe that God is a person, uh, a personal God, a, a, a thinking and intelligent being far beyond us. And uh, so I don't think he's sitting there going, oh, I didn't understand that was a game, you know, and so I'm going to hold that against you. Uh, I think he understands the difference between a game and and uh, real life where you are actually uh, harming someone. That being said, and I that being said, I think that there's a lot to be said for um, kind of the biblical principles of of honesty and integrity that can make for a much more efficient and a more uh, a much better gameplay in what way well again knowing that you you cannot play the game effectively without telling some lies but one of the things that's interesting is you cannot win diplomacy without trust and you cannot um, you cannot form strong alliances without trust and especially and and this is one of the dynamics that I know a lot of it got discussed on play dip and I'm sure it's discussed in the face-to-face -face community, is that because the because the hobby, because the game, oftentimes is played uh, by people who play, your reputation oftentimes transcends any given game. Uh, on on Playdip, the best games were among people who played on the site a lot, and so you got to know people, and you got to know their style, and so. Even though we had rules on the site of saying you cannot, um, they called it metagaming, where you would use something that someone did in a previous game against them. That was against the rules. But reputation, if I know that this person has a reputation of frequently stabbing their allies every th time, well, I'm going to take that into account the next time I play with them. And so if you have a reputation of being an unreliable ally, and I'm sure it's true in, in any of the forums where a player might play a lot – over time, you're going to have a much more, uh, much more difficult uh, go at trying to form alliances and get people to stick with you a long time because they know you cannot be trusted. They know your word isn't worth much. And so, what I have watched and watching some of the, I, getting to play some with some of the really good players there in Playdip, uh, what I watched was that they tended to lie very infrequently, if ever. Um, not that they never ever shaded the truth or turned things around, but but it was not standard practice. They tried to avoid it as much as possible. I played Pedros, who was a moderator when I got on there, and uh, he kind of retired. I, I don't know if he's on the site at all now, but he and I were playing in the game of War of the Americas, which is a my favorite variant, and we were. He was he was uh, I think he was Spain and I was Great Britain. And so we had to share the islands in the Caribbean there. And 
I tried to enter into an alliance with him and divide up the islands a certain way. And he agreed to that, but he said, just so you know, I see all the islands as my territory. But I didn't, because he'd also agreed to the alliance, I didn't take it the way he meant it. And so he told me the absolute truth, but because he also said, yes, but we can ally and I'd be happy to work with you and all this stuff. And then he dismantled me and took every island that I had in the Caribbean. I'm like, wait a minute, what just happened? He goes, well, I told you that. And I'm like, oh, man, you did. But you also threw so much happy talk at me that I just kind of disregarded what you meant. So he never lied to me and he still took me out. But it, I looked back and I was like, he didn't deceive me. And playing with W.H. Seward. Is a, he's another moderator at the site, and he works very hard never to lie. And so I had to – I studied him, and he's very successful at the game, but he's great to ally with because if he tells you something, you can take it to the bank. I found the longer I played that I could get much further by, being, by having a reputation of reliability. And you, you meet players that lie. You know, they know, oh, this game's about lying and deception, and so that's all they do. And it really, it really hampers them uh, because it's the game may involve some lying, but if that's your reputation, you're not going to, I think, do well in the game. So when it comes to um, how you phrase certain things, is, is that one of the things that sounded like what you were just saying there before? Like someone could actually phrase a, a proposition to you or respond to what you're proposing in such a way that... Um, you know they're not lying. Um, they may be opening, sorry, leaving things open to interpretation, which you just happen to put a particular flavour or bent on, uh, which results in you effectively being stabbed or something like that. That's what you're saying. Well, I, yeah, and again, it, I I don't want to make it sound like I'm making a, a you know trying to split moral hairs where well I didn't technically lie to you. Deception is sometimes still at play, but it's one. One of these things where, um, again, it's a game, so I think that you're not being deceptive in a way that would be morally pr- problematic with God, but you're playing normally with people, and, and if you're playing with skilled players, everyone knows how the game works, too. So it's not like, oh, you know, the, the slaughter of the innocents here. You're... <laughs> Everyone is playing the same game, and you walk into it with an understanding of, uh, as I play with these six other players, obviously they want to beat me, and obviously they want me dead. If I didn't think that, I don't understand the game, and so they also also realize I want to beat them. So even when I ally with someone, um, I know that if they can, they're going to try to beat me, and so... I've always got to be on guard for that, and they're not going to tell me, hey, by the way, next turn, I'm going to execute my carefully constructed stab, because then they're not going to be an elite player. You're not going to, you can't telegraph that sort of thing. And the best players are able to kind of deceive you without just bald-faced lying to you. But they're going to, Charlie uh, Charlie P is, was also on the site for a while. He's been off for a couple years now. He had... Uh, got a couple of kids and and the life got too busy for him but i played a game with him one time and i was pretty new i was he was i learned a lesson that day it was one of my early games and he allied with me and and another player who was also newer and he was more experienced 
And he, man, he formed us into a, a three-way coalition. And he said, man, you know, we'll get a three-way, we'll get a three-way draw and boom. And so we worked together and he coordinated everything. And, and he encouraged us to, to put all our units on the front line, which we did because he just talked three-way draw all the way. And then in the best stab I ever witnessed, uh, he, I think he took five or six centers from us in one stab and won the game. Boom, crash. And I'd left, I mean, wide open. I, I didn't just leave the door open. I rolled out the red carpet for him. And he said, you know, yeah, I felt bad. He goes, but I, it was too easy not to. And I was like, yeah, I hit lesson learned, dude. <laughs> and so the there had been some deception there because he had talked about we could get a three-way, we could get a three-way, we could get a three-way. But he didn't lie to me, but he did mislead me. <laughs> uh, I guess when you think about the, the nature of anyone who's listening to this podcast or anybody who um, goes and plays on PlayDip, VDip, WebDip, they play face-to-face, whatever happens to be the case, and they happen to be someone who considers their uh, – it puts a lot of importance on their faith and believes in, obviously, if it's from a, a Christian perspective around, you know, um, what's a suitable way of living your life. The fact that they've already come to a similar conclusion as what you've mentioned, that um, God is understands that, yes, this is just a game and when I'm lying and being deceitful, um, it's not really my normal behaviour, it's not really the way I'm living my life, it's playing it through a game. I'm guessing that those who interpret almost literally what's in the Bible are probably not listening to this show, not, not playing online, not <laughs> playing face-to-face because uh, they know if they kind of come across the game that you know, it may put them into a, a moral quandary. Um, do you have any thoughts on those um, people out there who, when it comes to their faith and believe strongly in a literal interpretation that, you know, it doesn't matter if you're talking about real life or you're playing a game, uh, it's still all the same. Do you have any perspectives on that at all? Yeah, I actually do because I, for the most part, I'm, I'm pretty conservative in that respect as in I am pretty literal. Uh, I mean, the, the Bible has has different um, different literary forms. Sometimes it uses figurative language and metaphorical language. Sometimes it says things straight out. So I am a quite a bit of a literalist. But <laughs> and here's the here's the qualification that really uh, my understanding. Look at reading the Bible and reading what it says. You know, it is talking about and and Jesus says this in the New Testament about the whole purpose of of the law. The the some people call them the rules, you know, whether it be the Ten Commandments or all the other ones after that. Uh, Jesus, when he comes, uh, explains what they are. He says, he says, listen, all of these rules are about loving your neighbor. That love does no harm for to a neighbor, therefore our love fulfills the law, it says in the New Testament. That the whole purpose of the law isn't that God decided to, to write up a set of rules and it's like it's like, you know, getting a you know, parking ticket or getting a speeding ticket where, well, you know, you messed up and that's it. The whole point of it is we're supposed to love one another. We're supposed to treat each other with humanity. And uh, because God created us in his image, he loves us. And so all these, all these laws in the Bible, are, it's not about technically violating them. It's about, again, are you loving your neighbor? And that's why Jesus came along. And even 
he didn't observe the law the way people thought he was supposed to. And he's like, well, you're missing the point. The law was to help you, and the law was to teach you about this, and I've come to fulfill that. I've come to show you how you take care of people. So I think that like what I would see on the site is – and it was key, again, it was a key to even to, to me being able to play better because I, I was, there were better strategists on the site. And I, I was not a elite player yet, but I was doing very well. I had a pretty high rating. Uh, but a lot of my success was I treated people well and with dignity. And even when you have to, because, for the sake of the gameplay, you might have to be deceptive, but you are not trying to do them harm. You are trying to win the game game i'm not trying to harm this person and and now and then you'd run into a player that that just liked us i mean they would be they would lie just to lie just to be spiteful and now it's like well now it almost feels personal and now that and that doesn't even help your game because again it destroys your reputation but uh and when someone would stab me and maybe it's an ally i had a you know a couple times i had an ally that that did me in and I didn't like it because, it, you know, here my game lies in smoking ruin around me. But I was like, hey, that was a good, boy, you timed that well. That's, I'm, I'm, I'm envious. You just outmaneuvered me. Well done. That's the point of the game. You did not do me harm. You did my game harm. And I, I didn't enjoy that. But, but if the Bible is God telling us, listen, this is how you're supposed to treat each other. And, you know, and Jesus comes to show us love and to sh- and to sacrifice himself for us if that's the point well then playing a game and beating someone at a game doesn't violate that and so you say well you told a lie yeah but if you look through and, and i even just in, in in the few minutes i had to prepare for this because you know we threw this together last minute and i hadn't prepared either but it talks about you know don't lie to one another in colossians uh deliver myself deliver me from lying lips the uh, haughty eyes, a lying tongue that shed innocent blood. It's talking about where you are, you are harming people it's about by lying to them. Right. This is this is real life, and and you're not supposed to harm people. And so again, just you know, if you play soccer, you beat the other team. You know, if you you play hockey, you play whatever. You're you're trying to beat the other team, and that is not harm. You know, they may not like it, but you're not doing them harm. And so, playing a game of diplomacy or a game of chess. The gameplay may require certain things, but it doesn't mean you're actually breaking those laws because the intent of those laws is to treat other people well. And beating them in a game is not treating them poorly. I play games with my kids, and I beat them, you know, and I still love my children, but hey, if they can't play as well, they're going to lose. And uh, so I, I think there's a lot of that. And so even taking it literally, I don't think you're compromising because... As long as you're again not actually trying to hurt them, and and there were people who them, I mean they were they were abusive, they played poorly, and uh, they would just you know be spiteful, and I didn't, you know I, I didn't think that was as good. But being deceptive in a game where you're not supposed to transmit your plans, well, yeah, that's just gameplay. It's not you're not making a moral choice there. No, that makes perfect sense. Um, Kainra, I'm very conscious that I've asked most of the questions. Um, is there things that you'd like to get into? Oh, no, I was, I was just quite interesting to listen alongside. Um, I guess, Ira, a lot of that comes down to the intent hidden behind it. You know, the a new player will often enter into the game and go, oh, yeah, awesome, the rules are 
free, I can stab everyone and just and they do some really crazy stuff because they, they're sort of liberated in the game world to be able to um, you know, they try funny things, they, they, they say they're going to do something they don't just for the sheer joy of it. Um, from your experience, do you have any sort of advice you'd like to give to some new players um, who are coming to the game maybe for the first time or maybe had a couple of goes, they know they want to get better, but they're not sure really direction to improve. Yeah. Again, I was, I'm still learning and I, I, I hope to get back to the game as if real life will uh, allow me a little better. And again, it, it, a lot of it comes back to it, the more ethically you play. And again, I don't mean about never being deceptive because you cannot play the game without some deception, but treating other people with respect uh, not carrying a grudge, things like that really increase your game. I had a player once who, who stabbed me and was amazed when I upped my message count with them. Uh, I started messaging them more. And they were like, well, I figured since I stabbed you that you would be mad at me. And I said, well, I didn't enjoy it, but listen, you're, you're, you're busy invading me. I've got to talk to you now. And I... And I, w- I tried to be humorous, and I treat- treated them really well, and they were, A, so surprised that I-, I wasn't abusive to them for stabbing them. And then I entertained them so much that they actually they actually changed direction. And they, they said, you know what? I don't want to eliminate you. You're fun to play with. And you, you, that's uh, a ta- you offered the other cheek. Yeah, well, and that, but that was a tactical advantage, too. And, mm. it's, it's not, and I wasn't doing it just for the tactical advantage because my reputation mattered to me. But reputation, in turn, has a payout, and which is actually part of the message of the Bible, that this is actually, you know, living this way is better. And in the long run, it, it works better. Sometimes, and a lot of new players, they, I think the reason they break alliances quickly and stab often is because they're always looking for the quick advance. And yet, players that tend to advance quickly and peak quickly are the ones that don't make it to the end of the game. Uh, it's very hard if you peak in the early game or mid game uh, because you're going to end up with an anti-leader alliance against you and there's still too, too many players. There's too much variation. And But if you keep an alliance, I found I always did the best when I held an alliance for as long as possible. And I watched that that always, well, not always, you can't speak in absolutes, but, but that routinely allowed me to advance much further because there's just a strength in numbers. And when you have a really strong alliance like that, you know, then you've, you've got one side you don't have to protect as strongly. I mean, boy, you still got to watch because that person will take you out if you're not careful. But it allows both of you to advance much further. And I think new players don't, don't think that. And then somebody stabs them, they get mad. And I was like, well, yeah, I understand it's, it is. I remember being frustrated. You know, you log on to your game to check in with it and you say oh my word the order's processed and you did what oh and you'd be so frustrated but then you have to okay I gotta let this go and still treat them well you know the Bible says love your enemies and so I'm gonna treat them well because that's to my advantage and it's still to my advantage to talk to enemies and a lot of people only talk to their friends only talk to their allies and you're, you're missing out uh, that more than once my game was saved because I would message people I was at utter war with 
and and by just not burning the bridge and not heaping abuse on them, but by engaging them, even being amusing. It was amazing how sometimes I could turn the blade away from my throat, you know. That makes perfect sense. Um, I think I've been on the receiving end. Where what was I receiving it? I've I've been someone who's stabbed somebody else and expected, you know, a negative response. Uh, and you know, obviously they weren't necessarily happy, but they did continue the conversation, and you end up on some occasions going, actually, no, I'm, I've made the wrong decision, and actually, no, I'd actually prefer to stay with this player rather than attack them. And so it, it's a good tactic. It's um, and obviously more than just a tactic it's obviously a bit of a, a way of living your your life um interesting to know if if you got the opportunity to solo versus draw a game you'd still take the solo wouldn't you well i think <laughs> another robust debate uh, always is 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 a is a draw even a win all that i i figure if you're alive at the end you haven't done something wrong and and if you can be part of a draw, that's good. But I think normally, normally I think that you got to try to solo, and that that's part of the deal. And uh, there have been games where I didn't push for the solo, um, and part of it was because the main reason I play is for the fun of it. And if I've had a particularly great ally, and we have pulled off, because I my my favorite part of the game, we would devise some absolutely crazy off the wall strategies that you'd have to be stupid to do and so we do them <laughs> and it, they wouldn't have anticipated them because part of the game is anticipating what your opponent was going to do so we would do things that nobody in their right mind would do and therefore I don't have to guard against it oh no I can't now man I remember it. I mean some of these suckers were elaborate where we uh, you know, planes from Russia. Yeah, to, like, basically. Yeah, usually yeah. make over two turns with some convoys and some fallbacks, and and basically these things they only have a five percent chance of working, but because of that, they're going to they're because you always want to anticipate what your enemy is going to do. So we would figure out what the the smartest thing was to do and not, not do it, and instead do do the opposite and. And so if we had a and but boy the amount I a lot of times I couldn't find an ally that would do that because so much was at risk and uh, oh I would try so hard and they'd say no it's not worth it not worth it so a few times when I found a a, a person as insane as I was who was willing to do this and it worked there was a couple times we said you know what hey I am the draw is ours let's just take it and celebrate just because it was fun and and trying to end it by beat our brains out let's move on to the next game this was a great time um but i think generally i i, I definitely don't think it's wrong to go ahead and, and shoot for the solo I, I think you have to um under most cases but i again i don't think that uh i would i would more often go for the solo if i could and that didn't happen very often my draw rate was way higher than my solo rate um but i think that nothing precludes you from doing that I guess, so I guess you know when you were talking about reputation, you need to sometimes play for the draw. Otherwise, people won't believe you when you say, "Hey, let's play for a draw." Um, even though all the time you, you you've got the back of your head that you really want to solo, it's that um, that that meta reputational thing. Um, Ira, 
What what variants? You, you mentioned um, what was it? American Empire, War, the War in War in the Americas. That's, that's the one yeah. kind of that I've played a few times. Is Spain? Oh, okay. Yep. 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 Do you? You mentioned that was your your favourite. Do you have any other variants that you'd like to um, sort of give a shout out to, or ones that you've enjoyed playing, or ones that you wouldn't touch with a you know a ten foot barge pole? <laughs> uh, I played quite a few variants. Again, I, I after the first year, I played most of my games on the forum, and I even became a GM myself and ran some games. Um, I I enjoy Versailles. Versailles is fun. It's it's such a Different. There's such a new dynamic there, and I had a lot of fun exploiting the dynamics of having a minor power. I played one game, and it was, I'd love to play it again. It was quite involved, and I'm trying to remember the name of it. It was one of the world maps, and uh, I, I wish I could remember off the top of my head what the name of the variant was, because it was there was like 23 of us to start with. It was a huge, huge game. And uh, that was a lot of fun. There was just so, I mean, there was so much involved. And to begin with, you just kind of had to focus on your region. Um, so that it was great. I played one that, uh, I don't know who wrote it, but it was actually based on the city of Seattle in Seattle, Washington, USA. And uh, that was really interesting. It was only a few players. And uh, it involved the bridges and the highways and the boroughs. And uh, that was that was a lot of fun. Um, and of course, I, I love the classic game uh, a great deal. I, I kind of like the um, oh, what do they call it? The 19, 1901 variant. Man, I'm I'm rusty here. Uh, I think. Yeah, nineteen hundred. But it was there's it's a there's a second version of nineteen hundred and that um, oh wow, it, he does a lot of design game designing, and he he would release them sometimes on Playdip and other places. He also uh, came up with a one called Ambition and Empire, that was that was really fun. And uh, Alex Runke? yeah, that's yeah. I think it was Alex, and I, I'm actually friends with him uh, in real life now through Facebook and stuff. But I think it was yeah, Ambitious and um, Ambition and Empire that had a uh, had some interesting additional gameplay, but it was still the the diplomacy model. Excellent. Um, I've got no more further questions. Kana, how about you? No, 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 nothing from me. Excellent. Is there, is there anything anything else you wanted to share with us, Ira, about your experience with the game? Well, probably just that, like I said at the, the outset, of one of the things that really caught my attention, it was I didn't know much about the game. I'm, I don't know how I missed it because, again, I was a, I've always been a strategy game player, but... Uh, I'd never encountered it until one of my friends, who's a gamer, uh, introduced it to me. But I, I really enjoyed a lot of the people that I got to know who, who enjoy the history of, enjoy history just in general, who, just were, they were very, very highly intelligent, uh, highly educated, really enjoyed. There was a lot of substance to these people, and, and it made the gameplay more fun too because they they just brought a lot to the table. And it, and it made it much more challenging. And uh, these these players and and their um, being in a game with them, the the diplomacy was rich. Uh, there are games that when people gunboat, 
and I've played some gunboat on the site just for fun, usually just to, to practice some tactics. But really, the ability to, to build those even temporary friendships uh, through the game, even if you're even if you're acting out kind of roles or whatever, just was very enjoyable. Of that, these are people who really think, who who really bring a lot of presence to the game, and I think that really distinguishes it maybe from a lot of games, because for excellent gameplay, you really should have that. And I think that the hobby has kind of demonstrated that that the people that have that kind of savvy and have that kind of they've got some historical knowledge and they've they've done some reading. Uh, really, it really adds to the experience of the game. Mm, Great stuff. Absolutely. Okay, um, Ira, I think that's pretty much a wrap. So uh, we'll we'll wrap things up from there. Thank you very much for your time. Well, I'm very honored and uh, to be a part of such an illustrious enterprise as your podcast, and uh, I'm very honored to be able to uh, to talk with you. Excellent. Thanks very much, Ira. Thank you. Thank you. And we're back. Cheers. Cheers. I like that. Yeah. I think it was a it was a really interesting uh, conversation. Are you religious, Bambi? Oh, I'm a little bit. Yeah, fair a bit. Yeah. Mm. I think I'd kind of consider myself religious, yes. Okay. So I'm, I'm not myself. That's okay. It's secular in that sense. It's um, fine. Someone's got to play diplomacy in hell, I'll play it up in heaven. <laughs> <laughs> so, sorry, just taking the piss, Kana. <laughs> well, now, you're a I, good I man. I'm, I'm, not worried, I'm not too worried about you. Well, at least you appear to be a good man. You've, you've kind of, you know, shout me beers and I shout you back, so that's pretty good. Works out well. Works out well. Um, that was interesting what he did talk about, how faith fit into the game of diplomacy for him. Yeah. Yep. And I'm assuming you've got a similar way of looking at it. How does it sit with you? Oh, I mean, I think his perspective is correct. And I think we touched on this before. Like, if someone was hard hardcore literal interpretation of you can't be deceitful or lie or whatever you just wouldn't you'd kind of avoid diplomacy because it would put you in a as i said in a moral quandary it would put you in a situation that would kind of force you to if you took that perspective quote unquote sin I guess there's a, a couple, there's a couple of questions I'd, it's I'd all be... around as he, as he said it was around harm are you intending to do this for harm the intent. The intent, yeah. Yeah. Um, I didn't ask about the, the turn the other cheek and or an eye for an eye. Oh, yes, good point. Okay, so, I mean, they're two, like, they're, I don't know, some would, I, I guess that's two sides of the same coin. Yep. Um, if I get stabbed, quite literally the first thing I'd want to do is just I, I, I will often just throw my armies at that country yes. that stabs yep. me and damn the con- consequences. So That's I guess, right. And someone else is uh, kind of... If you've been attacking someone else for three or four years, you say, no worries. Just, <laughs> That's all you yours, just, buddy. You, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm on my way out of this one. I just want to slow this fella down. Yep. Um, so I guess, I guess for me, maybe I'm more of an eye for an eye player. 
in that sense. Um, although I also see, you know, very, you know, I see the, the turn the other cheek kind of scenario where you have been stabbed and you, okay, all right, part of the game, increase your communication, talk, 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 talk. I thought that was friendly, friendly. It's an okay. Incredibly interesting take on things, and then yeah, to win the other player over to go to apologise and say, "Oh, sorry, I shouldn't have bloody stabbed you," hmm. and switch it round. Switch your route, and that's to turn the other cheek. So um, maybe this, maybe yeah. I'm approaching it all wrong. <laughs> that's right. Because <laughs> <You know? laughs> let's be realistic. When we kind of go, you know, eye for an eye, fuck you, buddy. <laughs> we're, we're doing we're, it. Wrong. We're kind of. I don't know how many times we've come back from the brink. And I'm pretty sure we could. Counted on one hand or less. <laughs> it makes you kind of feel good. That's the thing. It's the natural reaction, isn't it? When someone stabs you, you go, fuck you, I'm going to get you back. Yep. I feel I'm doing your trick with whacking the table, but the thing's up there. Um, but, um, yeah, I mean, if it... And it's not going to work on all occasions, I think, the whole trying to smooth up the player. But it keeps you in the game probably more often than just sort of throwing your units mm. and going all out against that player that stabbed you. Oh, I would think that the, uh, the slightly higher success rate. Yeah. yeah, I think so. It's still going to be hit and miss, but it's probably going to be more more hit than miss. Or less miss than hit. Does that make sense? Um, yeah, no, it makes sense. Yeah, and no, I hear what you're saying. It's worth giving it a go mm. from a is that a tactical point of view or a strategic point of view? Oh, I mean, a bit of both, isn't it? A bit of both. You're dealing with the you're trying element. to deal with keeping yourself alive, which is the long-term strategic thing, and how you get there is some of the tactics. Hmm. Anyway, so I, I think back to you know stabs which I've survived, and there've been ones where I've had a strong ally beside me. Yep. Yeah. But they haven't stabbed you. And they haven't stabbed me, and they've gone out on a limb to keep me alive for whatever reason. Whereas they could have just been like a pile on. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, yeah. Sorry, when you yeah. said pile on, I thought you meant like a big chunk pile of Pile on. Yeah. yeah. No, uh, pile Coming out of a river. On. Yeah, like a big. Uh, yeah. Literally piling one, one on top of yeah, the yeah, other. Yeah, you know, yeah. Like, I mean, you do get to that point where, you know, if you're at that stage where everyone's attacking you to sort of. You, you, your country turns into a pile of scrambled eggs. Yep. Um, there's not much you can do, is there? Well, most recent face-to-face game we had, for example, when everyone started taking Sean apart all at once when he was Germany, it went like from four supply centres down to one in just one game. It's like six supply centres. Or was it down six to down one? to it was one? Something crazy. It was something yeah. crazy. Yeah. Yep. Um, did you end up public? I didn't check the website, but did you publish the backstabber? history of the game I sent that to you yeah I created it I, yep. I sent a link through to it yeah good. Yeah. all done all good all good got the shit together on that one the other thing I got from that interview is there was that discussion around well the metagame how your reputation kind of precedes you yep um, oh yes yes that was a really good topic and in many ways it's true I think I think of the characters like online and well, it's definitely true in face to face. But online, you know, characters who do talk and are often on the forums present 
a certain character yep. to people who look at that and in that way it, they create a reputation in that community yeah and then there's that reputation from having played with those people as well mm-hmm. yeah now I can think you know on, on I can think of a handful of players who I've had a blast playing with I've really enjoyed playing with yep and I know from our previous talks that some of these players you you yourself kind of refuse to play with for whatever reason yeah, but I stopped that. Um, I know you stopped that, but in the past you've gone, no, I can't, I'm not going to. And you have too. Um, and I have too in the past. Yep. And for players which you've gone, oh, no, 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 it's, uh, they're quite okay. Yeah. Check how many people you've banned on your list. <laughs> <laughs> Keep talking. Um, Keep talking, Yeah, Kate. yeah, yeah. Um, but, you know, since, since that, oh, and there's the other one, like V-Dip's turned 10 years old. Oh yes, yeah. yeah. We'll get to that in a second. Okay, yeah, um, definitely. So over that over that span, um, I think I've, I've definitely matured as a player, um, and I've recognised that. Yeah, there are definitely going to be personalities that I'm going to clash with in playing these games, but learning how to deal with those personalities is a big part of learning how to play diplomacy. Yep. Well, what's interesting for me is that you have two players that you have blocked. Two? Yep. I didn't think I had any. Nope. You've blocked two. Oh. And one player has blocked you. One player's blocked me. Yeah. You probably can't see that. Oh. You can probably check me and see <laughs> how I compare. <laughs> okay. Just have to look at that. Oh no, you can see it too. I can see mine. So if I just kind of if I just click on myself, will it tell me there? Why has this guy blocked me? I don't know who I that is. Know. Obviously, you've you've pissed him off some way, Kana. And I haven't been blocked by anybody, and I'm only blocking one player. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> so there's okay. the who's taking the moral high ground now. Uh, <laughs> I, I actually, actually, t- <laughs> there was a period there where if a player CD'd in a game, you just blocked them. I just blocked them, um, and then I've fallen into that CDing habit, CDing habit <laughs> a little bit. You know, um, you know, I'm still a reliable player, yep. but I have missed some turns in the last year. Um, so I felt, well, hang on, that's actually um, not a good way to go about reasons as to why you've blocked players. Yep. yep. I guess you have a good reason as to why you've blocked that player. Yeah, he pissed me off, like you wouldn't believe. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> really? <laughs> I can't remember. I, I, I have a vague recollection of roughly what it was about, but... Um... I think there was a game that I was trying to get him that he wanted to be part of. It was maybe like he wanted to be part of a Google Translate game or something, but it was then difficult or something like that. You know how it is. It's a bit, a bit all over the shop sometimes. But the thing I found interesting, you talk about that with the, the CDing and so forth, and, I, and I've been a little bit the same, was um, 
you know how we're trying to organise at the moment um, one sorry you sorry you, you probably don't know this we have talked about it though that idea of getting together the you know the number ones from VDIP, PlayDIP, and WebDIP and having a bit of a brains trust conversation. Yeah. And it's hard to kind of get everybody all aligned up. And I've actually worked out there's just literally one hour every week that everybody is theoretically available. Oh, okay. And it's like Sunday morning in Australia at 6 a.m. <laughs> oh. Or okay. 7 a.m. if you're really, really pushing it. It means that somebody has to be up till 10 o'clock at night, which probably isn't too much of a problem. Uh, okay, all right. Yeah, I could do six on a Sunday. But in doing that, I was checking, for example... Um, Roughhouse, who's who's the um, the number two uh, player on VDIP, because the number one player Cypeg doesn't turn up very often and doesn't kind of respond to messages because he doesn't turn up, and his reliability is like a hundred percent, and like I think mine's like ninety four or something like that. Um, so it's interesting that somebody has like you know missed no phases in the year, but mind you fair number of blocking and blockies and yes yes some of those are big names yeah um anyway hmm. isn't that interesting i, I mean i and i'm, I'm t- I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed every single game i've played with roughhouse yes he's a good player he's a very good player in thoroughly quite, he's, he's enjoyed in, he's a um interesting player to play with having said that everyone else on that block list I've thoroughly enjoyed playing games with as well for the most part <laughs> <laughs> so okay so here's a takeaway if, if you've got people on the block list or you haven't looked at your block list for quite some time go and have a look at it are you still pissed off with that player if you can't remember and if why if you can't remember why maybe it's probably time to unblock them move on move on because the other thing is when you've got block players it, if you're trying to join a game, sorry, you don't even are, see the are, game. That's right. If they're already signed up for a game, you don't even see the game. So you might be missing out on potential games, potentially great games, great games. Yeah, yeah. So have have a think about it. I mean, it, I mean, is it worth it? Is it worth holding onto that grudge? Should you turn the other cheek? Yeah, instead <laughs> of keep doing the eye for the eye, but can't remember <laughs> why. Why? <laughs> <laughs> Right, you need a. I'm 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 out of beer. Yep, you want another bit beer? Dry here. Bit pause again. We're on a we're on a map here that Ambie's playing, and we're just talking about. You were playing, but you said you got eliminated. Yeah, I'm eliminated. Um, and you're. I was. Look, in this particular game, there's one power who looks like he's preeminent. Golden Horde. The Golden Horde at this stage. He yes. looks like he's um, kicking butts. He's in a position to really, you know... Steamroll the board? Steamroll. I was, I was going to say, like, like a wave of them sort of crashing down over the northern part. Of yeah, the OK, map. I'm going to do with that like analogy like too. A, I think it's a not-too-dissimilar like thing, yeah. surf wave. Oh, like yeah, that, I'm all into like the a surf. tsunami of golden hordites. Yep. Um, and you were talking about, this is interesting, because history... Oh yeah, so I was saying the way that the map is currently working out is not too dissimilar to say, if you replace the Golden Horde with say the um, the Mongols. Well, they are the Mongols. They are the Mongols. They're one of the Mongol family branches, weren't they? Yeah. Yeah. So the fact that in real life you had these 
moderate-sized kingdoms in the West. So, you know, in, in real life it was like, you know, obviously England and France and, and whatever. And those um, kingdoms still exist here in, in this Cry God for Harry game, as well as big, chunky, new alternate history kingdoms of, you know, Switzerland and Teutonic Knights and Bavaria and, and uh, Austria and so forth. But they're all kind of all clumped together, just eh, not really kind of getting anywhere. When I kind of imagine that these hordes from the east are going to just start smashing through everybody else, and it'll be a bit of an oh fuck moment when everyone starts then all of a sudden pulling their resources together to stop the, the horde. So you've got this monolithic empire pushing in from the east. Yep. Um, and the principalities of Europe are still battling it out between each other. That's right. Oblivious to this. Um, well, it looks well, like they're oblivious. It's not oblivious because it's not kind of like fog of war. I reckon that's yeah. where this would be awesome. We've talked about this before. I reckon techno stuff. Pay attention, techno stuff. This Europa Renovasalis, Renovasalis? Renovatio game. Yeah. Um, you make this like some type of fog of war thing. Mm. That And like. Maybe even if you kind of looked at one or two tiles because of the size of the map, that would be an awesome game. Because you would have no idea that this golden horde is coming. If you're like Bavaria and, you know, you're in the middle of, you know, the central part of Germany and all of a sudden these Mongols start going at your door, you're going, fuck, what the hell happened? What's going on? But nobody, all the other Western Europeans don't know what's going on. Well, you'd be particularly... Especially uh, in a gunboat. In a gunboat, yeah. <laughs> Um, actually, I've, I've put a bit of thought into this map yep. because I've been playing a few of them. And there's a couple of improvements I think would just be. I mean, it, it, it's an awesome. Don't get me wrong, it's an awesome map. But there's a couple of improvements that I think would just. I think like Europa Renovatio 1.2. Yep. Yeah? About 1.1. 1.1 is Fog of War options. Oh, okay, good. And, yep. you know, and one is this one, right? Yep, one is the original. Yep. The first one is the Sahara. Yep. I would love to see the Sahara regions used in the same way as the sea lands. So there's an overseer zone in each of these Sahara regions. And it functions the same way as the ocean sea lanes, only with land units. Yeah. They can't convoy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I disagree with you wholeheartedly on that one. Okay, that's one thing. That that's one. That's Can one I explain thing. why I disagree? Why? Because it's the middle of the fucking desert. So, I, I like the idea of it being split up into these multiple territories because it slows down movement. Because it is walking through the desert, so it's going to take time. You can't kind of go skip skip across through the little sea yeah, zone but you look at the time scale and each, each moves like five years or something isn't it like well yes that's true but that's that's yeah. that's that's, that's, that's but, so yeah okay change that as part of your thing but of course we've also talked about before of the fact that you can kind of swing a a fleet from the red sea through to the atlantic and that's why i'm suggesting that they are sort of land lanes instead of sea lanes i reckon you build is an extra you? lane at the bottom which is sea lanes which you can then come across oh, like kind of like um USA. Yes, yeah, like you kind of yeah. chop off the bottom of Europe, sorry, Africa, 
and you add a little bit more, which is just seed lanes, just to kind of go through the bottom. Yeah, but you know, I mean, Dagama's voyage, you know, that, that 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 was a thing that happened, but it wasn't for a quite a period of time after that before it became militarily viable. Yeah, it was all about trade. You're right. Yeah. yeah, well, yeah, you, you, know, you were having. Um, oh, yes, and you know, no, yeah, because they, they the got, Portuguese once moved they all got the way, their fleets into the Indian Ocean. They would then set up the little trading posts, which yeah, then they, they, they would use to kind of lock down the area, militarize the region. Yes. With their, you know, so you're their, arguing against yourself? No. What I'm saying is that if it's yeah, I know. Yeah, I mean, it, 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 it's kind of an illogical. It, it's Having that connection at this stage in world history in Europe, having that connection between the Red Sea and the Atlantic, and the Atlantic, I just, you know, I mean, that was a notoriously hard region to oh, yeah. traverse yep. anyway for sailors, let alone functioning as convoys. Yep. Yeah. Um, Yeah, anyway, so, so that's one thing. Look, the other thing which I reckon would just be really, really cool mm -hmm. would be ge geographic boundaries. Right, explain right. what you mean. So think, think about the other, you know, Renaissance variant that we know. The Renascimento. 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 And think about that really lovely chain of regions that was designed into it to, for mountainous terrain that you couldn't cross over. Oh yeah, the but um, there was passes in in that. Right. What's the 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 mountain range that goes down the, the backbone of Italy? The Apennines. Apennines. Yes. Yep. Very good. Um, having mountain ranges in this would be really. I think interesting. Yes, around Switzerland. Yeah, so you know, so some regions. Oh, actually, there's, in a, there's, there's, there's a number the, of there's a number of locations you know, around uh, Romania and whatever. Yeah, that, that some passes. That create yes. choke points. Yeah, okay. Yeah, that would be good. And throw in rivers. Put in rivers so that they become navigable and convoyable. To simulate. Oh, so you mean the river as a territory? So, for so instance, because because normally think about it. So to be able to convoy on it, it needs to be an actual sea territory. So could you create like a, let's say we have the Rhine. We might have the Upper Rhine, the Middle Rhine, the Lower Rhine, or whatever like that, and hmm. actually have it as a only sea. Only navies could go on it. Land-based armies couldn't. No, 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 no. No, um, you can't bridges over the top. Mm -mm. So all of the territories that. Are on either side of the river, yeah, can convoy if you have a fleet on that territory. So, fleet would be technically on land, yep, but you could still convoy through it, yes, which is doable. You can do that in the code. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay, right, eh? Yeah, um, and it would create this other bit that I've put some thought, you know, like the. The Gulf of Finland, mm. you know, going into L L Lagoda, 
on you know areas up of the, uh, the upper Volga you know like Novgorod this these these lakes in here mm. were traversable to fleet at the time to, to ships at the time Why? Ships do they were, have canals yeah canal across using river systems are you sure yep absolutely in fact 400 years before this the vikings were traveling from scandinavia yeah but they're going all the way down the rivers down to the black sea yeah but there's no, black look, the rivers don't run from the Gulf of Bothnia into the Black Sea. No, they're right, from the mountains there's, down there's to the Gulf of Bothnia. There's a set of about three different rivers yeah. that run through Russia that they had to portage through. Oh, right. Yeah. And that's so you're allowed. So you're talking about allowing portage? Essentially, yeah. Ooh, so they have, you'd have special territories that you could portage across for a fleet? Fleets. Fleets could move along with these river territories and they could convoy units over them so create like a okay like a jump which would counteract some of those choke points that yep, the yep. mountains um mm. create i, I just th i just think that would be really cool too no it's interesting i like it that would be my little variant twist on it mountains rivers land zones and a navigable proper like, so, like round Africa, the around the Cape Horn. Go on, why not? You can do it. Are you going to start coding again? Or making maps again? Look, I, I, you got time. I downloaded a map of the rivers of Europe. Ah. And I tried to um, spatially arrange it over the top of this map. Yeah. But the scale's all wrong. So I don't know what projection Technostar got. Well, once you get in touch with Technostar and see if you can get his version of the original map. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sounds too much like work. <laughs> but, it's not work, it's, it's um, fun. It, yeah. It's, it's, it's a creative project. Mm. Also, thinking about it a lot of rivers would have gone through some of these cities yes well, you know so you'd have <clears throat> instead of what looks like a you know like a a jumble of territories you'd have kind of some reasoning as to why the territories are the shapes that they are mm -hmm. on top of it anyway enough about that yes so what are we up to now <clears throat> what have we not talked about we haven't done the newbie segment are we going to do any more around? We do, we're supposed to be talking about that. Do you want to do any other around the ground stuff? Um, well, there was that Fog of War game that you and I were in. <laughs> yeah, sure. Let's talk about that. How are you going with that? I am dead. Oh, are you? Yeah, I am. Oh, bummer. Okay, I best, best not say anything further about that then. Um. Some asshole kind of killed me off. Oh yeah, the mongrel. Mind you, you know, fair's fair in love and war. Mm -hmm. And actually, the one thing at the moment, I'm in a really bad tailspin in my games. Which one? Uh, a lot of them. 
So, in recent months, I have been eliminated from, and like eliminated, killed in Choose Your, choose your Weapon, uh-huh. EU5. Uh-huh. I got killed just the other day in American Fun Boat. Oh, not so fun. Kicking Butts that you refer to, I got killed in. Yeah. Silent Europe, I recently got killed in. Uh huh. And in a modern pickle, I'm almost dead in that as well. Yeah, I'm. Yeah, I've, I've, I'm, I'm, that's the one I've got one left on. It's, yeah. So my strike rate at the moment is shocking. Ah. See, for you, it's all about the ranking. It is, and it's all not looking good. So you might take a hit. I might take a hit. I need some big wins. <laughs> but I don't think I'm going to get any big wins. In the for a little while. <laughs> Look, I think I think it's coming up to our newbie segment. Okay, okay cool. Um, Look, I, the last the last one we. I bought my book along. The Concise 33 Strategies of War um, by Robert Greene. And you complained that it was a bit too university for what we're talking about. Well, I was just saying that we should probably cover some more basic topics such as negotiation or trust or when's the right time to stab. And then we maybe move on to something more advanced, like these very, very accurate but more subtle techniques. So, uh, negotiation for newbies. Yes, negotiation for newbies. Right. So you've just started playing diplomacy, whether it's online or face-to-face. Hmm. Okay, so... How would you... How would you... Okay. Do you remember your first negotiation in diplomacy? Do you remember it? No, not in detail. I I don't remember specifically what I was negotiating about, but I remember being about as subtle as a brick to the face. <laughs> and needless to say, it didn't go really well. Yes. However, since then, I've also negotiated from a point of, you know, bluntness, like that, because that's what the situation required it to be. That's what needed to be for that specific player to sort of get the point. Yep. I had to be blunt with them. Um, So I'm guessing, I guess what I'm trying to say is that you know, negotiating is about actually kind of getting a bit of a grasp on what your opponent or your ally's um, personality type is. What do you reckon? Is that a good take on that? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think there's... A new players to diplomacy, they tend to go either one of two ways. They either go too, too strong and hard with being overly forthright as in the case of, I want this, that's it, you know what I mean? Mm. Or they have no idea what the fuck's going on and get fucked over. There's not really too many newbies that kind of understand the fine line from the start around 
getting to understand what the other person's after, how can you, sorry, is that something that's worth you supporting or helping? What can you get in return? How can you kind of come up with an arrangement? Mm. You know, but also then not just talking to that one person, but then talking to others and coming up with a broader plan. So I guess to help newbies in the world of negotiation, maybe some discussion around what some of the common terms that are used right. in negotiation. Yeah, it's a good idea. It's I mean, a good idea. Time's of an essence here, you know. What... What, for instance, does a demilitarised zone mean? Yes. Actually, that's a really good point. So just before... We, we, one thing, listeners, we, um, we plan to do after this, this recording is to do a re-recording intro, short intro episode to the very, very beginning of our series. Yep. And in that, I went back and listened to the first episode we recorded, and I was talking, actually, I think, about my first ever face-to-face game oh, no, it wasn't it wasn't first face it was it was my first ever um, online game I was playing like years and years and years prior to that uh-huh. where I think I was England I think I t- told the story that I'd been speaking to France and France had suggested making English Channel a DMZ and I went oh yeah cool that's no problem and I didn't do anything and he moved straight into the English Channel and so that kind of touches on what's the subtleties between what's a DMZ versus what's a bounce, you know what I mean, that's been organised. Yeah, and what does bounce mean? Yeah, so yep. maybe we talk about those two things first. Well, a bounce is when you and another player, usually your neighbour, in fact it has to be your neighbour. Yeah? Bit hard to do otherwise. Hard to do otherwise. Um, although not necessarily, I could think of situations where it's not necessarily your neighbour. Um, where you agree that you both move into a territory with equal power so that your two units meet and don't take that particular territory. They bounce. It's used as a way to um, show that you're being honest in negotiation. Ambi, I'm Russia. Yes. And you are Austria. Can't I be Turkey? For the sake of this argument. Okay. Right. Are we going to be contesting and Galicia? Galicia. Are you going to be moving? Now, are you going to be suggesting Warsaw to Galicia? And I'm going to move. I'm going to say, look, I, I've seen you in some really intense discussion with Turkey. Yeah, we're going to get right? up on you. And. Gotcha. I want to show <laughs> to you, Ambi. <laughs> That I am trustworthy to you. Okay, okay. That, that I, I want to work with you, but I don't trust you enough not to move to Galicia anyway. Okay, so, sure, sure. I can understand this, yep. Ambi, I know that you as Austria really, really, really don't want to see a Russian army in Galicia in the first year. That would be terrible. No, it would look very bad. So... Bad for morale amongst the Austrian troops to start us. How about you and I agree to bounce in Galicia, see what Turkey does, and then DMZ that territory? What do you think? Depending on what Turkey does. Well, the, for this for, for this scenario, sure, that sounds like a great idea. So, how are we going to do that, Kana? 
well, my army in Warsaw will move to Galicia and your army in, say, I don't know, Vienna? Mm-hmm. We'll move to Galicia as well and we'll bounce. So the two equal things will kind of one come together one. and it'll be... Bounce. Boing. That will give you the added benefit of having an army to protect against potentially Italy moving to Trieste in the first season. Keep that in the rear. Yes. All right. Also, if I'm forward thinking, strategically as Russia, maybe I have made some sort of deal with Turkey, or maybe I'm concerned about England, yep. and or I want to do a northern sort of push with my armies. I want to hold one in reserve. Maybe Germany's being a bit weird and he's looking at me funny, and he's you know he's, he's pointing on the map to oh, Cilicia. Yeah, train and going past. You want to pause it? Yeah. And we're back after a cheers. Loud coal train. a freight train well it could be a freight train could be a coal train which was it going was it going from east to west or west to east i think actually it was going east to west so it was probably a freight train well a coal train is a freight train <laughs> it's like <laughs> thomas the tank engine <laughs> shit <laughs> here we are we're talking to finer tactics and strategy here <laughs> tactics Negotiationals. Anyway. Anyway, thank you for the beer. So we used that coal train as an opportunity to go get some to more refresh alcohol. on some forex uh, bitter. I've, I've moved on to the forex bitter because I found the one fifty lashes a bit too sweet after a while. And I've forgotten how good actually a forex bitter is. It's not bad, is it? Not really. I mean, there's, there's a lot worse. Well, when you've got no other craft beer to buy, it's okay. Yeah. Well, you know, like. If you think about it, okay, so you drink probably, it's, it's the workers' beer of the, the, the state. Bitter. This was like the Forex. beer that, like, my dad and my granddad would drink. Forex bitter. Forex bitter. Yeah, and down in Victoria, it was VB or Melbourne bitter. Yeah. You know, and in, um, you know, Tasmania, it's Bogues or it's Cascade, you know. Um, in Sydney, I don't but I think Cascade went all up market with their labelling and so did Bogues and Yeah, but they're still fundamentally a workers drink in Tasmania. But like VB and Melbourne Bitter, that's still Yeah. 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 Um you know, Colton Draft used to be there for a bit, but Tui's is a bit of a working Tui's. men's beer in New South Wales. Foster's? Do they drink that in Sydney? No one drinks, drinks Foster's. That? No one drinks Foster's in Australia. I, 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 I can't remember the last time I've even seen it in a bottle of it. I told you the story once, didn't I, when I was living in the UK and, like, our friends brought over, like, a six-pack of Fosters to kind of make me feel like I was back home. It was oh. the first time I ever drank Fosters. <laughs> it tastes like shit. It's horrible drink. It's horrible drink. Uh, anyway, um, we anyway. were talking about bouncing. Bouncing, yes. Yeah, so we've so agreed to... One versus one would be a bounce. A we've bounce. agreed to bounce, yes. And... Actually, you cut me off at the right moment because I was going to be a bit cheeky and say, yeah, well, actually, what happens if I might do is I'll get Budapest to support the NRN and <laughs> I've now got Galicia, screw you. That would be called a stand. Yeah, no, but we're, 
an early stab, which would be ineffectual because you actually... It would be a totally ineffectual stab, yes. You're, you're actually disadvantaging yourself because yes. then you end up with... Pissing know, off Russia from day one. Pissing off Russia from day one. And you don't get anything from it. you don't get anything from except for maybe Romania, but you're going to lose that to Turkey. Yes. So anyway, let's keep going. Anyway. But let's assume that Kayra and I decide to play nicely and bounce in Galicia. What would be the next step? Although you can move, you can go from from you know first you base to, to second base if you want to. Yeah, you don't have to if you trust the player. You know, you don't have to go straight to bounce to demilitarize a DMZ. Yes, would be what people say. Which can is we... what that guy originally told me to do in English Channel, and I honoured, and then he didn't honour. Yeah. So this requires a, you know a level of trust between players. Mm. You know, um, you have to and risk and risk. Yeah. Um, Sometimes it's to mutual benefit to DMZ regions, like um, for Russia and Germany, it would be beneficial to DMZ, Livonia, Cilicia in, you know, the early... Yeah, I think a better, exa- a better example uh, would yeah. be, say, the English Channel, where... If England and with with the with the fleet in, in London and France with the fleet in Brest say okay look you're, okay so you're England I'm France okay now let's put it back you're England ties France because always draws France <laughs> did you see his cheeky email no, the other yeah, day yeah, France yeah. for the win you guys have decided, look, actually what would be work really, really well is let's leave the English Channel totally demilitarised. No units go there. We're not going to bounce. That'll mean that from an England perspective, you can send a fleet into the North Sea from London. You can send a fleet from Edinburgh into the Norwegian Sea. Uh, Thai being France can send a fleet from Brest straight into the Mid-Atlantic. The idea being it means that you know you can probably pick up more supply centres quickly if you trust each other because in that case, if France has played its cards right, he'll pick up Portugal and Spain. And yeah. as England, you're well positioned. You're, you've got a guaranteed Norway, but you've got a good crack at Norway and raiding either Denmark, Holland or Belgium, depending on what other your negotiations and arrangements have been reached. Yeah. Or another good DMZ... Or bounce would be the uh, Russian fleet in Sevastopol and the Turkish fleet in Ankara agreeing to either bounce or demilitarise. Because if they demilitarise, that means that frees up the Russian fleet in Sevastopol to go straight into Romania. And then the... Um, Freeze the Turkish fleet Turkish fleet can go into Constantinople to then go out and go blue water into the Mediterranean. But that's not the only type of DMZ there is. You could agree to DMZ. Um, oh, it doesn't have to be land. It doesn't have to be fleets. It can be land, can't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you can you can agree, or even supply centre regions. Um, you can agree, for instance, between Italy and Austria to DMZ, Trieste, and um, Venice. Yep. And you both agree not to build units in those supply centres to demilitarise that potential conflict between Italy and Austria. And it can even be something totally else. You know, remember your most recent game, again, using your... Um, when you were actually Italy and Thai was France, and he had his, his line that he drew 
the line in the sand. The line in the sand, which kind of cut yeah. through, where was it? It was like the Gulf of Lyon, Western Med, North Africa, and was it no, Marseille? No, it was definitely Piedmont. Piedmont, Piedmont was his yeah. line in the sand. Yeah. It was where we... So that's yep. like a massive DMZ that nobody goes into that area. And if we, nobody goes into that, we're all hunky-dory. And if somebody crosses that line, it's like hell to pay. It's all on. Yeah, it's game yep. on. Yeah. And of course, I strayed into that DMZ and then, you know, he just turned around and attacked me. But um, Well, he was true to his word. He was. It's yep. good, yeah. Reputation building right there. That's right. Which leads us to our final third acronym, acronym, um, which is really useful to know for uh, newbies in negotiation, would be a non-aggression pact. A nap. A nap. Doesn't Harry, mean you go have a little sleep at the back for 15 minutes. Yeah, no, it, um, it means, essentially, as, as it sounds, it means non-aggression. You are not aggressive towards another player. So what's a scenario that would work, Andy? Um, I think probably a good example would be Germany and Austria from the get-go decide to be, okay, you do your thing in your theatre of war, I'll do my thing in my theatre of war. We won't kind of, you know, get in each other's hair. It's not an aggression pack. It's not an alliance in the sense that you're working together physically against another player. I'd consider that to be a nap. That would be probably a classic nap. Classic nap. Yeah. Um, other common naps would be Austria-Italy, if that works. Yeah. That would be a common nap. Common nap, yeah. Uh, another potential nap would be England-Russia. Yeah. 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 So maybe, maybe, maybe England, France. England, France, potentially. Um, although that would probably evolve Actually, fairly quickly into what, an alliance. Yeah, but like a, a good nap usually would be Italy and France in the opening games, allowing Italy to go east against Austria and the Balkans, and France to go into the Iberian Peninsula and, and maybe Germany, maybe Belgium. Well, That's a common allow, nap allow, as well. Um, France to engage in his north, in its north, um, and not have to worry about a Machiavellian Italy, um, you, know, at, at, you know, being adventurous in the Iberian Peninsula. Hey, yeah. Yeah. And I guess the next thing above a nap would be an alliance. Yeah, which is as it says, you know, to you, you agree to work with another player for mutual gain. Yeah. Smash the body up. Hmm. In my experience, alliances work best when you try to, where possible, give your Kana, look ally... Look at this guy walking past. He's got like a big tube. Maybe he's got a diplomacy map in there. It's a diplomacy map. It's not a baguette. It's not a baguette. It's... It's like one of your big tubes with your diplomacy map in it. It's, it's, what is it? Plywood? No! Weird. Random, um, random stuff in Red Bank. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, let's go back to the, what were we talking about? Oh, in my experience, alliances. Yes, alliances. alliances they work well. Work well. When you're when both you're committed to it. <laughs> Well, well, when your ally gains slightly less than what you do out of the situation. Mm-hmm. Mm. 
but equally it's worthwhile to gain slightly less than your ally at times. So learning to play that balance of that. So I think the key thing when it comes to negotiation for newbies is it's all about the communication. It's actually you can't live in your own little bubble. This is the good thing around diplomacy. It actually encourages social skills in the sense of it takes you a little bit, even if you're an introvert, it takes you out of your comfort zone. You need to talk to people. You need to kind of understand what they want. You have an idea of what you want. You're trying to come up with a plan that ideally, A, achieves your means of what you want to achieve, but also, B, hopefully mutually works with somebody else's plans. Because it's always better to go with someone else's, I don't know about you, but it's usually better longer term to go with someone else's stuff that also works with you. I don't know. No, I'll temper that. It's useful to go with someone else's plans, but to direct it to what's in your advantage. Yeah, yeah, that's, 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 that's a that's, better take on the... On the yeah, because if you go with someone else's plans, you're going to end up in a situation where you're beholden to that plan. Yep. You know? So always hold a couple of units in reserve because you need to be able to negotiate from strength or to have some strength to back it up. You know? Totally agree. Yeah. Great point. So anything else on negotiation for newbies, you reckon? Talk. Talk? Get out there. I mean, I've, I've seen a number of games where some players just go, they sit in their little corner, they don't talk. They might talk to one player and they go, okay, that's my ally. I'm not going to worry about anybody else. It doesn't hurt to keep things going. And I'll use the example of, again, I'll go, I'll go back to that example when everyone stabbed Sean all at once and he was down to one supply centre and some players wanted to kill him off but I saw value in keeping him in the game and not necessarily manipulating him, which I did, but <laughs> but trying to guide him as somebody who can kind of help you because... Because it gives you an extra unit to play with. That's right, yeah. yeah. And then he's beholden to you. But that would be... Um, and he that's not it. necessarily an alliance at that stage. No, that's that what becomes, we would call a, um, a bitch. <laughs> well, or a pawn. What else would you call it? There is a term for it. A uh, uh, puppet. A puppet state. Oh, does it? Yeah, puppet. Puppet would be what you would call it. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Sean. Right. Yeah, well. So that's our. That's our. Um, newbie segment for this month so what, have, what, what other newbie things we got coming up do we need to talk about trust do we need to talk about stabbing and then we can go upgrade to the to the level to the university level, level. Up. level up yep let's do that so i'm going to suggest that we wrap up this episode now right um because we've got a pre-intro intro that we need to record that's true we should probably though touch on very very quickly the fact that vdip's 10 years old yeah and now <laughs> what has been your highlight in the last 10 years um out of 10 years highlight 
I, look, I only realised this at this New Year's. I know, you sent a thing out on... Yeah, so I, I, I had a look at my... Um, Your VDIP account. VDIP account. And, look, okay, so it's not quite 10 years. It's like 20 days away from being 10 years to the date. Um, however, I feel like it's close enough for it to be 10 years. 10 years VDIP. Well done, Ollie. Yeah, I joined on the 29th That's... of January 2010. I joined on the 27th. Remember it used to be Ollie Dip? It was Ollie Dip. I love the colour of Ollie Dip. You remember that was like Ooh, this cool blue-grey. Yeah, I don't remember. It was. I remember it's like a navy blue. When, I remember when the, gr- the the brownie version looked like an old map came out. I quite like that. Which is the current version. That's one of the skins. There's the web dip skin and then there's the, the brown skin. Oh, the, yeah. The sepia was... map skin. That but what I like about it, I, I like how VDIP has been a, a great place for people to go to if they want to try something different than just straight classic diplomacy Mm. and have many many different options because Mm. obviously you've got different options at Playdip not a lot you've got some options at Webdip not a lot but VDIP there's just like so many fucking options heaps and it doesn't matter what your bent is if it's sci-fi there's sci-fi stuff there with you know your Mars things and your Venus ones and fantasy you've got fantasy, fantasy stuff you've, you've got, got your, your historical stuff you've got your old history stuff and you've got your minor tweaks minor tweaks to the classic map yep uh, look you've got your massive massive maps like your Europa Renovatio and your uh, but that's only been a like, that's come in the last four or five years. But even going back to like five, six years ago, it was like World War Four. it's like a 34 play game, it's quite a big game. I remember that, you know, that, that came out, it blew people's minds. It remember did. that came out? Yeah. And what then someone put sea lanes over the toilet. What sort of crazy shit? What sort of crazy bastard does that? Oh my god, but do you remember, oh, okay, so... Do you remember the time that Ollie had his kids and used to send in, like, if you send in a postcard, you kind of got, like, an extra... You got like a little a, badge. A little badge? Yep. A I little, did that. Did you do that? I did that. I've got a little bronze... Do- I've got a bronze star. Did you send them... Where were you at the time? Were you up in Brisbane or not? Ooh. I wasn't in Brisbane. No. I was in, I think... I was in either... I think I might have been... I was garbage truck... Okay, truck's gone. I was in Tasmania, I think. Pretty sure I was in Tasmania. Yep. Yeah, I was in a Brisbane Brisbane one. Okay, look. I have to hands it down. Just say how awesome 10 years have been this you know? The characters have stuck with it. Yes. And the characters who have disappeared. There has been a fair number of characters disappeared, yes. You know, and I... I, I you know, I, and, and both have been great. Because I mentioned earlier on about listening to that first episode and, and we were talking about a particular uh, 901 known world game that I was in. 
and I've kind of rattled off all these players that were obviously were old hands at the time and like I'm going, listening to it going oh yeah I remember them I haven't seen them for ages <laughs> Hey, did we finish off the what the doctor recommended on the video people? I, I don't think we did. Um, did you play some of the Sopwood games already? No. Did you do that? You didn't do that here though, did you on Vdip? I played that on I did that on Vdip. How? We had a wiki, remember we had a wiki? Oh yeah, well no, I never was part of the whole wiki thing. Yeah, I lost a lot of information there. Boss has been great. Boss has been good. Mm. Um you know, the, the assistance around the development of variants on VDIP's been fantastic. It's gone through its waves though, hasn't it? It does. However, having said that... You're going to do some new work on it, so great. I know you've got a couple of variants popping away. Yeah, look, if I had another two weeks holidays, like or two or three weeks holidays like you, I probably would do it. Oh, yeah? Like... Flooded world? Nah, I reckon if I if I had going on that Japanese ninja one, you know, yeah, yeah, it just yeah, didn't make any sense yeah. to me. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> uh, if I had two or three spare weeks, I would probably do my Roman Empire variant, so crosses to the third century. Yeah, right. Okay. And if I had more than that, and I had access to a developer. I would do nuclear war, but if I had just had more time but no access to a developer, I would probably do a Cold War updated version, one versus one. Like a big massive map. Not, 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 not the current Cold War map, because the current Cold War map is not historically correct. You know the one we talked about before, like the, the idea of having a big massive map, maybe some fish eyes on some things, maybe pulling together multiple maps. You know, I reckon a map that would be good for doing a Cold War on would be Zeus. Hey? Zeus. Yes. The Zeus map. But that's... That's a weirdly distorted world map. I don't like weirdly distorted maps. I like nice rectangles. That you can kind of move around from one side to the other with arrows. Actually, that game that Ira Hall spoke about in that city. Oh, the Seattle one? The Seattle one. I'm interested in that. I want to know what that is all about. When he was talking about it, I thought, that sounds almost like New York type of thing with the bridges and the islands and the boroughs and whatever, <laughs> but he was he said it was Seattle. But yeah, that was interesting. Yeah, I don't, I've never heard of that. So... Hmm. Gonna have a look for that one too. Yeah, I didn't even look for it, but that's, that'd be interesting. Yeah. Anyway, guys, episode fifty-nine. Reckon it's a wrap. I think it's a wrap. I'm Andy. I'm Gainer. Thank you for listening. Stay tuned for Patreon. Give us a like, oh. and you can find us in all the usual places: Stitcher, iTunes, DiplomacyGames.com. Yep. Where else? Uh... Down your local pub. <laughs> <laughs> Daniel, I'll go fuck. All right, guys, cheers. <laughs>